Good evening, you're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Guma. This evening, Graham Kerner from Kerner Perspective and Rikas Riedes from PSG Wealth Reimsach join me to unpack your stock-related questions. Uh, do send those questions via SMS to 41392, email at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Uh, well, we are struggling to get a hold of Graham at the moment. Apparently, he doesn't have electricity, um, so he's still trying to figure out what to do at this point, but hopefully he will be joining us soon, Rikas. Um Rikus, what happened? Because it was a day in which we thought that the markets would continue on the high that we saw yesterday. And of course, many people wondering, is this sustainable or if this is a significant turnaround from the risk of sentiment that we saw over the last three weeks? Any idea on what happened there with that turnaround? Well, I'm very glad Graham has joined us. Maybe you can help. Hi, Graham. Hi there. Sorry about that. Technology is winning. Six love, six love. <laughs> Didn't get the question. Try again. Yeah. Sorry. No, we're just asking what happened, Graham, because everything seemed good. Um, uh, on the local front, uh, the JSC, it started off in green territory well into the afternoon. And then all of a sudden, there was a turnaround uh, of almost 1%. Um, and we did even see the, in the U.S. markets, the NASDAQ actually being the only one in the green. European markets being the, the only ones in the green over there across the board. What happened with, with local sentiment? In the words of a wise man, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, sometimes they're just more sellers than buyers. And I think yeah. I hate to be corny, but I think that was probably the case. It just it looked as though, you know, maybe some global player had decided they want to de deweight South Africa or, or lighten South Africa. And as we've seen, I mean, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. There's a real lack of, of depth on the buying. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you saw, you know, decent businesses get marked down three, four, five percent in a very short space of time. So the best I can come up with is uh, is that there is a, a fairly hefty seller out there and the buyers just didn't have an opportunity to to recalibrate. But my guess is mm. um, it's been a bit of a whip, whipsaw, whiplash. Um, I guess you'll probably find drib uh, buyers dribbling back into the market tomorrow and yeah. the market may be gapping up a, a little bit, particularly in some of those that got marked down very heavily yeah. in the last hour or two of trade. And I mean, what was interesting, yes, yes, Rickus, uh, because I was going to say what was interesting is the strength of the, of, of the rand as well. Yeah, <clears throat> that was the outlier because otherwise one could possibly ascribe some of the weakness to the um, um, derating of US banks by S&P, which has joined Moody's, and that broke in the mm -hmm. afternoon. So okay. that obviously um, increases your risk rates globally and that will impact emerging market stocks but it was specifically heavy selling and and i think i would agree with graham that there's probably um a overseas or some overseas players that just de-risked quite heavily in the south african market because there wasn't really a theme of selling down where you could say this is one sector that was affected or yeah. or this group of companies it was it was really across the board and don't forget, I mean, we were down six days in a row, six trading days in a row on, fr on Friday. We had a bit of a rebound yesterday. And today just seems like a continuation of what, in any case, has been a pretty bearish trend over the past week or so. Yeah. What stuck out for me actually yesterday is that we saw that surge in uh, U.S. bond yields. And that's something in, in, in which you usually see then the tech, uh, the tech shares 
under pressure. But actually, the Nasdaq had its best day uh, in August so far <laughs> yesterday. And I'm wondering, Graham, if, you know, if this is a sustainable turnaround because those things are happening in tandem when they're not supposed to be like that. Is it a case of maybe investors um, finally being comfortable with uh, you know, some of these big tech stocks to operate in a high interest rate uh, environment? <laughs> or is it just the AI uh, sentiment overshadowing everything at this point? I don't know if it's AI sentiment because I think you know the Nasdaq wouldn't be powered by by a, you know a, a bullish view on AI alone, considering where the the heavyweights sit. So I think yeah, it is quite strange to see both bond yields going higher and equity markets going higher. So that's um, but I think that maybe the reason for that is um, you know, people are saying well the economy is is still you know maybe surprising some like myself doing a lot better than we thought. Um, and although the Fed may very well pause or be very, very close to the end, I think there's still a, a recalibration going on where people are still saying, you know what, we've been tolerant of, of negative yields on bonds, for example, for a very long time, and we're not prepared to, to take that um, any longer. So I, I think my, 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 my sense is, you know, another 25 basis points in, in, um, in the Fed fund rate is not going to make a massive difference. And I think a lot of people would say, well, if we get it, it's probably on balance of arguments, the last one. And, um, and then it may very well bring the rate cutting cycle forward a little bit. So I, I think that there's just, um, you know, some, some, I think players in the market are just feeling, you know, um, we're probably near the point where, where inflation starts to roll over, although we've seen, for example, the UK data surprise a little bit on the upside the other day. But I think people are starting to get a little bit more optimistic that maybe uh, inflation is going to moderate globally. And um, and then you want to be, you know, when rates get cut, you want to be long equities, maybe not specifically tech. But I think it's just, you know, it was a slightly more optimistic mood uh, yesterday. And I still think people are looking for, for, for you know, to put money to work. It comes back to what I said earlier. It's just, you know, money flowing and, uh, and, and people seeing probably more opportunity to be back in risk on than just being too conservative for too long. Mm, all right. Uh, well, let's get to the questions. Quite an interesting one here, uh, Rikas. Um, I'm considering averaging down on my Amplats and Sibanya Stillwater Holdings. This would reduce my cost by 30%. Can the experts advise, please? Rikas? Okay, I've got a golden rule that I almost never break. I never average down. Um, it, to me is on the wrong side of momentum. And I am a momentum-orientated um, investor. Um, I prefer things to bottom out and then show clear signs of a turnaround. And then I might consider averaging down. But while um, specifically Amplats, Sabania um, might be near a bottom, it, it, I'm not convinced that they are. Yeah. Therefore, um, in general, I won't be averaging down, and certainly not averaging down while I'm still not sure whether, whether price momentum is on my side. Well, gee, Rickus, I wish I had uh, your advice before I averaged down on transaction capital when it was still at 12 rand, <laughs> not knowing that <laughs> we would reach a price of about 6 rand. Um, Graham, <laughs> your thoughts on, average, on averaging down, but also would you be doing it on Amplats and Sibania Stillwater? It's quite interesting. I mean, we, we don't like, uh, we're not mad about commodities generally, and we've been a little bit fearful of single commodities. 
Um, having said that, I think I think if Amplats cannot make money, I've said this before, then you know a lot of supply is going to come offline globally, and that will ultimately affect commodity prices. So, you know, averaging down, um, I have a slightly different view. I, I'm generally guided by value. Um, and sometimes you just buy a theme. So I think on, in, in the case of Amplats, you've got to buy a normalization of, of supply, given uh, some of the pressures we're seeing, and that demand from maybe some new sources could also buoy that. So I think to me, if, if you bought Amplats at 800 and you said, I'm betting on a turnaround, I'm betting on a new economy, demand for hydrogen or whatever the case might be, and you saw merit at 800, you'd probably see merit at 650. And then I would argue you buy more. I think the other thing is, you know, cowards like me also tend not to, you know, buy everything in one go. Um, so we would quite like the, the, the opportunity to buy 800, buy at 800 and at 700 and at 650, um, as long as the investment hypothesis remains. So I would go back to the investment hypothesis and, uh, and if you see value, but you can't keep doubling down. You know, you can't take it to 5% of your portfolio at halves and you say, well, it's now only two and a half. I'm going to take it back to five. At a point, sense has to prevail. But if you see value and you like the story and you haven't put too much capital into it, um, I would argue you would continue buying. Ah, all right. Uh, Rick, is anything to add there before I go on to the next question? <laughs> Quite different. Yeah, no, I, no, no, I mean, um, there's Gray makes very valid point <clears throat> and and the point he makes is that if you are that value orientated as some you know and your thesis is correct um your potential for extraordinary gains um is there <clears throat> mm. it takes time to realize that though and I've, as i've always said you know I, in any kind of down market whether it be a share specific or a market in general i'd like to um, exit the market or exit the share with the same clients that I entered them with. Mm. Um, so that's part of the reason why I don't average down. Um, I like averaging up, by the way. If things are okay. going up, I'm quite prepared to buy more. Okay. But um, it, to me, the risk is in both the timing fact, in other words, when that turnaround is going to happen, and really what you're doing when you're buying into a downtrend is you are being contrarian. And and being contrary is right about 20% of the time. The, the other 80% of the time, you are going against the market. You are losing against the market, mm. which is, again, why I'm saying I'm far more yeah. momentum-orientated. All right. Very, very interesting views there from the both of you. Uh, let's move on to the next question on uh, British American Tobacco and um, uh, <coughs> AB InBev. So you take your take on the two stocks proxies. Do these stocks have anything to do with uh, South African fundamentals? Uh, on your part, Graham, uh, let's actually start with BAT. Yeah, so I think BAT um, obviously has operations in South Africa, but it's it's fairly small, so it's not an SA story. And uh, AB InBev uh, more so, obviously, this, the old SAB South African operations are significant, but still not a massive part of that business. Um, yeah, in terms of the investment merit, um, obviously the tobacco industry is a is a you know in its sunset phase. Um, they're trying everything they can to try and extend the lease of life on um, on nicotine products, but it's going to become increasingly difficult. Um, but it looks quite cheap. It's a highly cash generative business. Um, you know, we've from a cowardly point of view, we've got our entry through uh, Raynet, which has done a hell of a lot better than British American Tobacco. 
Um, but I think, you know, that looks cheap at these levels and it's got strong cash flow. But you need to remember you, you've got to sit quite close to the door. This business is not going to be, I think, investment grade forever. And then in the case of AB InBev, um, you know, lots of debt, big, big transactions done probably at the wrong price at the wrong point in the cycle. Um, and although it's a very, very well-run business, I think it's very, very expensive. And I think it's going to take time for it to unravel that that rating, notwithstanding that the more recent results ex the U.S. look quite good. So out of the two, if you sort of put a gun to my head, I'd probably mm. buy a British American tobacco, but neither of them really excite me awfully much. Um, your take on those, uh, Rickus? Precisely the same as what Graham has said. My entry as, as yeah. Graham is is true very net in my portfolios. Mm. I think the one thing I might add to that, if you can, if you compare that to things like Philip Morris and Imperial Brands, they um, it's a huge discount to those two. I think part of the problem is sentiment, and sentiment specifically in America, as far as um, their menthol offering is concerned, um, that legislation actually forbidding the sale, as far as I know, of that kind of cigarette is probably going through within the next few months and people are seeing that as well that's going to have an impact on the u.s sales mm. i think it's overdone so um yeah if i had to choose a tobacco stock um i'll certainly go for um, um british american tobacco rather than the other two yeah and and i was a british i'm not not very excited about that um yeah following following graham's, graham's comment on that um, just sticking with you, Rikus, um, what do you make of the growth runway for BAT right now with all these kind of moving parts? Look, <clears throat> it's a sunset industry, but addiction is a strange thing. You know, 10, 13% of your population will always be addicted to something, whether it be cigarettes or gambling or whatever. So there's going to be a hardcore, um, um, shall we say, part of the population that will always smoke. Yeah. Um, secondly, the new product line um, is catching young people. In other words, the heat to burn, that kind of thing, vaping. Um, so, and British American tobacco is well positioned in that market with the alternatives to your normal stick. Um, so, I think earnings can surpri- surprise to the upside, although it's not a growth shape per se, uh... but it is something where their market is changing because of a new product offering and a younger market being exposed to it. So um, people just looking at it from a pure tobacco that you roll into a piece of paper yeah. um, is probably not aware of the difference a new product can make in their earnings profile. Mm, all right. I hear your point on that and the changing market for them. Uh, there's another question here. Uh, in terms of Eurostocks, any questions for a long-term buy? Uh, so long-term buy across the Atlantic. Uh, Graham, what would be a pick for you? Good pick for long-term. Uh, um, global or specifically uh, US? Uh, Euro, Euro, the Eurozone. Oh, Euro. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, we we quite like Volkswagen. We think it's a it's a very good business with good brands, um, good exposure to emerging economies, uh, a, a good and, and and growing footprint in in EV. Um, we also like BNP Paribas trades relative to book uh, at quite a big discount. So you know, just off cuff, there are there are two two companies. Um, you know the. Some of the oil majors are, are looking cheap, but obviously uh, they are dependent on what uh, oil and gas prices do. 
Um, but yeah, I would say those two probably are the standouts for me at this stage. Uh, anything stand out for you uh, there, Rickus? Also noting that there is that index, the Eurostoxx 50. If you'd rather go for an index or if you'd rather be picking stocks on that front. No, Europe, the Euros, well, Eurostoxx, I mean, it consists of uh, European stocks that are listed in Europe but have, but have a global footprint. So, um, so maybe you can do that. But if, if, <laughs> But I would imagine that a lot of the um, operations still are in Europe, and Europe as specifically Western Europe as an economy is having demographic problems. Germany is having severe problems. There's a lot of problems in Europe, and mm. I think other geographical locales are probably more exciting, which is why I said Western Europe. Um, I've been on the program before. I'm very excited about Poland. A local entry into that market is through Nepir Castle doing um, shopping centers in Eastern Europe, specifically Poland. Otherwise, if you want to go into Western Europe, um, as in the US, the European government, specifically Germany, is throwing a lot of money at semiconductors and the obvious um, candidate there is IDX um, technologies if you want to sort of play it marginally safer by going into Western Europe. Ah, all right. Uh, well, let's get into NAMPAC. Uh, there has been a 50 to 60% increase in the share price of NAMPAC in the last two to three weeks. Has that got to do more with the recently announced a turnaround plan by management or the forthcoming 1 billion rands right issue, uh, the price it will be pitched at? Is that not the uh, 250 to 1 share consolidation, uh, Graham, mostly? Yeah, but I'm sure the, the, the viewer is taking that, that into account. Okay, but in yeah. answer to the question, is it is it the turnaround plan or is it the fact that the uh that the uh capital providers have, have you know taken their foot off the throat of management? I think it's a combination of the mm -hmm. two. Um, you know, is it is it a dripping roast and you know you're gonna make oodles of money with no risk? Absolutely not. So I think it's a it's a difficult business model, and I think one of the reasons it got into this situation was, and I mean some of it was was unfortunate because of the geographies they operated in, invested capital couldn't extract that capital for or ex extract the you know the cash flow, so that that was I think very unfair or very unfortunate. But um, you know the reality is it's it's it really is in, in to a degree in a in in big parts of the market I would argue is in in a price taking kind of mode. Um, you know, with people like probably Anheuser-Busch and British American Tobacco and, you know, the, the major food companies as, as clients. And they will keep you very honest and they'll keep your margins tight. So I think, truthfully, that's how this whole scenario actually played out. And I would argue that the fundamentals of the business haven't changed, but it does look as though new management has has a plan. And I think the, the debt providers and the shareholders want to see this thing survive and go forward. But I think it's going to be a very, very long and bumpy road. Mm. Rikus, uh, do you think that there's uh, renewed sentiment on the stock at this point? Well, they, they certainly have a better plan than they had two or three months ago. Let's start over that in, as, as far as their um, debt negotiations are concerned. Um, investing in the company, first of all, I'd like to get this rights issue out of the way so we can get a clearer picture of what's happening. There's a lot of selling of operations mm -hmm. to be done to fund part of the debt and then they've got to uh, operationally turn it around and the only way they can do it is by being more effective operationally because as 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 graham said you know 
they're going to bargain on price with, with the people they supplied to. And then um, the geographies they are operating in has got to work <laughs> with that whole plan of theirs. So there's a lot of ifs and buts. So uh, if everything works well, fantastic. But um, am I prepared to take a, a risk in that? Only if it's a very small risk and I think, okay, let's... There's a go for the gamble on this, but even then I'll wait for the rights issue to um, mm. get out of the way. Ah, all right, all right. Well, let's uh, get to your stock picks for today. Gents, Graham, what will it be? Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to, but I, um, you know, we see a lot of value in, in, in SA equities. Um, you know, Rickers will tell me I'm catching falling daggers and I'm going to lose <laughs> fingers, but um, <laughs> probably right. <laughs> But, you know, if you look at a, a company like Absa, which is on a, a ridiculously low multiple, of course, the, you know, the results were disappointing um, if you look to, to June. But um, and I'm sure the full year won't be spectacular. But even if they're flat, you know, 25 bucks worth of earnings on a 180 rand share price, that multiple is really, really compelling. The dividend yield is better than you're getting on cash. So um, I think. You know, we saw it with COVID when the banks were forced to, you know, to to take these big impairments, but it's often accounting and they bounce back. So I would say it looks just too cheap to ignore. And the other one is is Ethos Capital. I've pulled it before and I think people not maybe not quite sure why. And they say, well, it's an old stodgy invested in traditional private equity kind of, you know, cash generative businesses. But about 50% of that um, asset value sits in a company called Optasia Echo, which is a corporate ISP and CrossFit. So those are technology businesses. Optasia is an incredible business, um, gives you exposure to over half a billion people through mobile network operators, through very disruptive sort of financial services like we're seeing out of MTN. And we saw MasterCard and MTN tie up. So, you know, at a 50% discount to NAV with almost 30% of that NAV made up by a really exciting business, I'd say you you buy it, 60% of it is is Optasia. You get everything else for nothing. I, I think something like Ethos Capital is really compelling. And buy it before the results are out. And I think that because otherwise the insiders in the company will be back. Yeah, all right. And on your side, Rickers? Well, nothing wrong with Graham's app, so I totally agree with him. If, if something stutters while in an uptrend, good time to buy. Mm. And I think um, it also applies to my stock, which is ASML. Um, the um, the um, itching <laughs> semiconductor business mm. in the Netherlands. They've had a good rally, good pullback. Technically, I like the um, the um, sector semiconductors, and, and by default, the guys that are manufacturing or selling the machines that manufacture them. Prices had a good pullback. Um, I think it's a nice entry point. Ah, all right. Uh, and uh, funny enough, as we are ending off the show, somebody coming in uh, with a question on Nepi Rock Castle. But of course, you did say that uh, you have quite positive feelings uh, on mm. that uh, and analysis on that company, Rikas. Thank you so much for your time, gents, and your analysis. Uh, that's all from uh, for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guest, Graham Kerner from Kerner Perspective and Rikas Redis from PSG World Reimsek. Up next, the close. Stay watching.